Pastor Ray Bentley reminds us, earthly riches are temporary. We can't take them with us. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And you know what? Rich and poor, you're both human beings and you will all die. The rich will die and the poor will die and the great leveler is death. At death, everything becomes even. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Some people strive their whole lives to put a lot of houses and hotels on this grand monopoly board called real life. But in the end, all that stuff goes back in the box. We can't take any of it with us. Today, Pastor Ray gives a straightforward insight on having a more eternal focus and strategy. We left off last time in Luke chapter 16, a wonderful gospel written by Luke, who was a physician, and he gives a picture of the humanity of Jesus. Each one of the four gospels gives a different, unique picture. Luke, being a doctor, emphasizes the humanity, the compassion, the glory that God became a human being, that God incarnated and became a man, that he is touched with anything that, that affects you and I. So we're gonna pick up uh, with verse 14. This is an ongoing conversation that Jesus has been having. He's really teaching his disciples, but there are some other people who have been listening in, and we find out who they are in verse 14. It says, now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men, money, is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John, speaking of John the Baptist, since that time the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one title of the law to fail. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. An interesting collection of things that are going on here. Now the first thing to notice, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. Uh, if you were not here the last time, in the first half of Luke chapter 16, Jesus had been teaching his disciples. He tells them this parable. And in the parable, there's kind of a ruthless character that, that goes out, he gets in trouble, he's not very responsible, and he goes out and he cuts in half all the creditors that his master has to look out for himself. Jesus does not commend uh, this guy's actions, but what he does commend is his uh, being wise. Uh, he was looking out, he was cunning. He, he was thinking about how he could use money and, and how he could use it to make friends for the future. I won't go into the whole story, but Jesus commends that and he says that many times those in the world are wiser with money for their ends, which are not good. I wish, he is saying, that my own children would be wiser with money 
to win friends for the kingdom of heaven, for the gospel, for the promotion of of the kingdom of God. Now we notice in verse 14 that as Jesus is teaching his disciples, telling them, I want you guys to be wise, I want you to be smart, uh, I want you to help promote uh, the gospel of the kingdom, Pharisees, which are the religious Jewish guys at the time, have been listening in. And what, what were they thinking of what Jesus was saying? It says uh, in verse 14, they derided him. It was not a spiritual response. That phrase, they, they sneered at him, or they turned up their nose, or they just went, oh, that's this famous rabbi that does miracles? And he teaches like that? Because Jesus said that you are not to value money, but you are to value the Lord and the kingdom of God, and only to use money as a tool. And the truth of the matter is that though these religious guys were very religious, they loved money. With their lips, they said, oh, we love you, Jehovah. We love you, Lord. But they were taking advantage of the poor and the widows and the orphans, and they were lining their own pockets. They really valued, by their actions, wealth and possessions. That's what worldly people do. That's what unbelievers value, is wealth and possessions. In verse 16, Jesus said the law and the prophets were until John. So, you know, they had the law and the prophets, but then John the Baptist came and John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, the Messiah's here. And since that time, since John the Baptist began preaching, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Jesus, what he's saying is that you had the law and the prophets. They prepared the way for John, who prepared the way for the Messiah, and I am the Messiah. And yet rather, here are you Pharisees turning up your noses at the very promised one that you say that you were praying for to come. I am the one. And he says that the people, the masses of people that Jesus is feeding, the multitudes, and they're following Jesus. And he's healing all manner of illnesses, And all the people that are healed are pressing in to follow Jesus. And all those that he's casting demons out are pressing in to follow Jesus. And and what Jesus is painting a picture is that the religious guys whose job it was to encourage the people to go after the Messiah, they're the only ones not pressing in to see Jesus. He's saying everybody else is pressing in to see me, to hear me, to talk to me, to know me. And you guys are not pressing in. And he is actually warning them. He's actually telling them, you guys need to be careful. And I believe that Jesus was frustrated with them. And if he seems angry with them, it is because he loved them. They were bound to be separated from God, even though they were religious. It is possible to be religious and not enter into the kingdom of heaven, in other words. Now, when Jesus says the law and the prophets came until John, then the kingdom is preached. It doesn't mean the law is done away or destroyed because in Jesus Christ, the law is actually fulfilled. But then in verse 18, he says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. There were two schools of thought in that day about divorce and remarriage. And one was very open and very liberal and and pretty much any reason that you came up with why you didn't like your wife anymore. If she made your breakfast wrong, all you had to do was to go write a bill of divorcement and say, you know, you displease me. And you would hand that in and the rabbis, you would pay a fee of money 
to the rabbis and they would say, oh yes, this completely fulfills the law of Moses. They were making money off people getting divorced. And so they were, they were you know, stretching the true content and intent of what marriage was about. And that was, it's a commitment, it's a covenant. Jesus says, you know, in another place, except for adultery, unfaithfulness, okay, that breaks uh, the marriage covenant. He's not so much really teaching on divorce as what he is saying, again, in the context of the Pharisees is, you guys have turned divorce into a way to make money off the pain of other people. And have things changed much in 2000 years? Even to this day, money can be at the root of problems and tensions. And there are always those, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were kind of the religious lawyers of their day who were making merchandise off of that in a way that was taking advantage of people. And Jesus is saying, what you are doing is ungodly. It is not right. You are in love with money. You are not in love with the kingdom. And the common people who don't have time all day to read the scriptures and to pray and to walk to the temple, but who have a job and work for a living, they are pressing in to see me. And he is warning them, your time is running out. You need to press in to see the Messiah while he is here, or you are in danger of being separated from the very God you say with your lips you love for all time and all of eternity. Now with that background, knowing that Jesus has been talking about what really is valuable, what's really important, the real priorities of the kingdom of God, the heart of the Father, and that there are these Pharisees who are turning their noses up at the very Son of God, and that he is warning them, you are missing the boat. When he says you are the blind leading the blind, he is basically saying to these religious guys, you are bound for hell. So it's love trying to prepare them and trying to warn them that they, they think they're on the road that leads to life, but it's a road that will actually lead to their destruction. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Jesus tells this very famous story about a man that was a rich man, we're not given his name, and another man named Lazarus. And I want to read through the whole story and then we'll go back and look at it in three different sections. The two men that Jesus talks about who had two very different ends of their life. And uh, the difference, we'll talk about the difference in this life, we'll talk about the difference in their death, and we'll talk about the difference that happened for them in eternity. So beginning in verse 19 says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, 
desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus being comforted there in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. But he said to him, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Wow, what a story. I noticed that I mentioned that it is a story. This is not a parable. There are some that have said this is a parable. You know, you'll read that Jesus and then Jesus told them a parable. But if it was a parable, usually the Bible tells us it's a parable. Or Jesus will say, I want to tell you a parable which is not necessarily true, it's just a fictitious story that's got some points to it. Neither Luke says it's a parable, nor Jesus says that it's a parable, and in fact, he uses a name. He doesn't give a name to the rich man, uh, maybe to protect his family or his brothers that are still alive, but he does give the name of the poor man, Lazarus. In every other parable Jesus ever told, that were just stories, not necessarily true, he never used names. You say, well, what are you saying? What's your point? My point is, I believe that this story of the rich man and Lazarus is a real story. It's a true story about a real human being who we don't know his name, but he was very rich for a brief period of his life on earth. And there was another man who was believed in God and he loved the Lord, but during this life, because he valued the kingdom of heaven, he was poor and he lived a very humble existence. And then they both died but they had two very different endings. And where their lives, when they died, ended, lasted for all of eternity to this day. So it's interesting, the rich man, it says he, he fared sumptuously. Uh, he, would, he would have been, the fact that there is this rich man and then there is this poor man and that, and that there was such poverty in Israel, and here we are 2,000 years later, which is amazing. When you think about this, I, I want to ask, skeptics in particular this question. Why is it for the, you know, those who place their faith not in God, but their faith is in mankind or they're, they're humanists, they believe in you know, human spirit, human potential. Why is it that we still have poverty? I'm not talking about natural disasters or climate or things we have no control over. I'm talking about things we do have control over. Why are there poor people around the world? 
to this day, even in the United States of America, the wealthiest and the most blessed of nations. Why is it that we are so smart, on the one hand, that we are unraveling the genetic code of life, human life, and yet we cannot solve this problem? Well, I've never heard a good answer from the skeptics. And there's all kinds of political debates and nations that are arguing over democracy is the way, capitalism the way, socialism is the way, Marxism is, is the way, communism is the way, and we still have the problems we had 4,000 years ago. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, because we have not followed the word and the teachings of God. The reason that there was this poor man who lived a miserable existence even 2,000 years ago in Israel is because had the Jewish people followed the teachings of God uh, concerning the sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee, there would have been little and perhaps no poverty in the land of Israel. Uh, there would have been enough wealth for everybody. There would have been enough land and real estate. Each one would have his own house and his vine and his own fig tree. You wouldn't have had all the wealth landing in the, in the hands of a few wealthy people. Any nation who does not follow God's laws will eventually crash both economically and politically. And I don't wanna go into a whole study on this, but let me just say that God had a system that every 50 years at a Jubilee, the whole economy was to start over again, start from fresh. And everybody started with their own house and their own lineage and their own uh, allotment of land. You could lose it during the 50 years, but at the 50 years, it all went back to the original and you kind of had to start the economy over again. We have found ways of getting around that uh, by going into further debt or printing more money or whatever else. But there's generally been a cycle that you can go through history of every 70 years, a crash or some kind of a collapse happening economically in nations going back for thousands of years. So they didn't follow the teachings that God had laid out. Lazarus, who is there, who is poor, Israel as a nation had been in rebellion against God, uh, we know is sick. We know this because he was laid at the rich man's gate daily. And the only attention he got was from the dogs, little dogs that would come around. So here's this guy with a mansion. He's got a mansion, and this is what happens when uh, wealth gets only distributed to a few. You have to build gates to protect your mansion. And then you put the poor people outside them where they beg for alms when you walk by. What's interesting is the rich man throughout his entire life could have easily with all his wealth helped this man who was a good man and a righteous man. And as we find out when he stands before God, goes into the comfort of Abraham, he was a man of faith. Uh, he would have been the kind of person you wanted to help. But instead, the rich man ignored him, went on in enjoying his own riches. Life was comfortable for him, and this rich man felt secure. Because the rich man didn't realize that his wealth was a gift from God. And when God blesses you with wealth, you have a responsibility of blessing and sharing that with others. Again, read with me verses 19 uh, through 21. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple. So that speaks of the expense. He, he had to have a special dye uh, that came from a, actually a snail in the Mediterranean that gave it this beautiful, rich, kind of royal purple color. It was very, very expensive and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. But 
In contrast, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid daily, sick, weak, hungry, begging at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. <laughs> okay, think about this. If he's eating at a table inside the gates, how many crumbs will fall and make their way to the gate? Probably not a lot. And the poor guy was probably hungry most of his life. Well, now look with me in verse 22. Just this one verse. Here's what happened when they both died. So we know the difference during their life here upon the earth. But now look in verse 22. What happened when they died? So it was that the beggar died, and notice the beggar died first, and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. It doesn't mention anything about the poor guy being buried. We don't know if he was given a proper burial or not. He might have just been thrown into the ash heap or into the trash pile, as it were. But when he died, he went to paradise. He went to Abraham's bosom. The rich guy died, and he was buried in the earth and in the ground. No angels, there's no Abraham, there's no comfort, and there certainly isn't any paradise. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2, I put into your notes. Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Bible, and it's a very wise saying. Let's read this scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 2. Let's read it out loud together from your notes. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And you know what? The rich and poor, you're both human beings and you will all die. The rich will die and the poor will die and the great leveler is death. At death, everything becomes even. In spite of the rich man's wealth, he died. And there are wealthy people who have the ability to fight aging and have surgeries and the best medicine and everything else. But you know what? They stretch it out, what, I don't know, maybe another 10 years or so, 15 if they get lucky, and then they die too. Just like poor people die. But it's what happens after a very, when you think of eternity, how long is eternity? It's a long time. <laughs> it never ends. How long is 70 or 80 years? compared to eternity. It's like here today and gone tomorrow. It's like a, the Bible says a blade of grass. It's a brief moment in time. It's like a breath. In spite of the rich man's wealth, he was buried, he was going to the grave where he could not take his wealth with him. I like what my friend Greg Laurie says. He goes, I've never seen somebody who has died in a hearse on their way to the graveside with a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. Uh, you know, in the ancient times, they would bury all their treasures with them, and then 2,000 years later, they dig it up, and there's all their treasures. Wherever they went, they didn't take it with them. They just buried it in the ground, and all the remains is their bones and ashes. But when Lazarus dies, he goes to Abraham's bosom. What a glorious difference. Pastor Ray Bentley with Insights from Eternity today. And he'll have more from the study of Lazarus and the rich man next time on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Seek Ye First the Kingdom. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. 
Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.